I'm your host, Arielle. And I'm your host, Alyssa. Welcome to Ghost Tea Podcast. A podcast for those who seek magic. Hello, ghosties. Welcome back. Today will be a solo episode with moi, Alyssa, as Arl has the sickies. Tis the season for the sickies. So if you've suffered from the sickies and you have the sickies, I understand. I had COVID for a little bit there. It was pretty bad, but it's okay because we're here together and we get some cool stuff to talk about. Just a reminder that everyone has different views on things and that's okay. We don't ask you to believe what we do. We just want to share what we found in our personal paths with others. Also, before I get into um, the episode, I bet you're cold. I bet you're cold, aren't you? Mm-mm. Winter is upon us. But it's a good thing that we have ghosty merch. Honestly, you're welcome. You can rep a ghosty on a mug or a cozy sweater during the chilly seasons. It's just delightful. Wear your little ghosty to your next family gathering. It's adorable. It's it's bound to start a conversation. Let's be honest. All right. So uh, there are a couple questions that have been submitted for a conversation today for this Q&A with Alyssa. So let's get started. First question is, can you talk about low effort offerings or acts of devotion and how in your experience, your patrons and deities you work with and worship feel about those? Now, this is a topic that I personally really, really enjoy because I'm all about low energy, I'm all about easy, and I'm all about acts of devotion. Now, acts of devotion are essentially just behaviors or activities that you do in honor of an entity, a spirit, a deity, an ancestor, whatever it is that you want to assign. So that could be anything from staying hydrated to eating well to having a shower to brushing your teeth. I'll give you some examples of some of my acts of devotion and who they're for and how they're received. So one of my uh, daily acts of devotion that I offer up to my patron Leviathan is drinking water. I drink water to stay hydrated, to keep my skin healthy, to remove toxins from the body. Those are all the reasons that we drink water because it's healthy to do so. But I also do it because it's something that he specifically asked for me to start doing more. So when I took him on as a patron, one of his things was you're extremely dehydrated because I basically live off of coffee and tea. So he said, I want you to make a concerted effort to stay hydrated. It's really, really important to stay hydrated. And as a result, I have a water bottle that I've dubbed my emotional support water bottle. I take it literally everywhere I go. If I go run an errand, it's in the car with me. If I'm going to somebody's house, it's coming with me. If I even go into restaurants, I'll bring it with me just in case, just in case, because you never know. And now I notice when I don't have it, because all of a sudden it's like subconsciously my brain is like, girl, you don't have your water bottle. You are parched. You're in a desert. You have not had water in years. You are parchment paper and you need to fix this. Like (laughs) it's literally wild. So because of him, I have amassed a fair number of water bottles that I kind of cycle through, but I have one main water bottle. I had a one gallon water bottle uh, that I ended up using so much that I actually broke it. So that's fine. 
but we do with the, you know, we, we make the best of what we have. So my water bottle, um, I actually, <laughs> not going to lie, dude, I literally cleansed it and offered it to Leviathan. I was like, this water bottle <laughs> is for you. So when I use it, it's in devotion to you. So something super simple like that. He loves it. It makes him very, very happy. And he has not had to tell me to stay hydrated since since basically becoming my patron um, because I took him seriously. That was part of the agreement is we're going to work together. If he asked me to do something and it's not something I can't reasonably do or it's not ethically whatever, you, you don't know where I'm going with it, right? It's something that I can actually do. Then why wouldn't I do it for him? Another kind of act of devotion that I do is for Aphrodite. What I do for her is I am very conscientious about my skincare and my hair care. I've always been someone just because of the nature of my profession as an environmental scientist been very acutely aware of products that contain harmful ingredients or test on animals. But with her specifically, I'm even more conscientious about the ingredients and how they interact with my skin. So more so than just being like, oh, I'm just going to grab this random cleanser just because I know it is cruelty-free, I'm going to pay attention to how do those ingredients interact with my skin? Does it make me feel better? Does it have any adverse reactions? And be very mindful with my skincare routine. And that has worked well for me and it makes her very happy because I put the time, the effort, and the energy into finding a skincare routine that was that worked for me. Also, that was affordable, you know? Like, I don't use Tatcha. I can't afford that shit. And that makes her happy because she knows that it's something that I can do within my own limit limitations because I do have limitations. And so self-care, lots of things under the self-care umbrella I offer up to her, but she's not the only one I offer certain self-care things to as well. I also offer it to Artemis, who is my uh, main patron. For Artemis, one of the things I do for her is I'm very mindful about the colors that I wear. So I'm generally someone who is very neutral. I like dark things. I like greens. I like blacks, browns. When I am dressing with intention, I do notice a massive difference in my mental health. Because if I don't feel good in what I wear, if I don't feel like what I'm wearing is comfortable or represents me to the best of my own ability, then it makes me very uncomfortable. And I think about it and it takes up a lot of time. And because I'm neurospicy, I'll keep picking at it. It will actually set off my anxiety and I'll start picking at my fingers and like, you know, doing all those other things as coping mechanisms because it heightens my anxiety. By actually paying attention to the things that I wear and how they make me feel has kind of like a multiple benefit where it's not just that I feel good because I'm comfortable, but also that it keeps me from having a wardrobe full of clothes that I don't wear. I will also add, I don't really buy new clothes very often. I'm someone who thrifts a lot. So I'm all about reduce, reuse, recycle. And I think that fast fashion is bullshit. So that also makes her happy is that I make a concerted effort to reduce my environmental footprint across so many different aspects of my lifestyle. That is also an act of devotion is being mindful of what I consume, how I consume it, and how that has a broader impact on the environment because we have power as consumers. From her perspective, 
if I am leaning towards things that are compostable or biodegradable rather than single-use plastics, that's a very easy thing I can offer up to her. If I have the opportunity to pack a little travel utensil kit with me if I'm traveling rather than accepting plastic utensils if I need to eat out or something, those are small things that, in my experience, make her happy. Another example is with my patron, Apollon. With Apollon, I spend a decent amount of time trying to connect with my inner child and trying to integrate more fun into my life. I am a goofy person that likes to have fun, but I also am a perfectionist and I get absorbed by my work and I hyper-focus. So if I get too absorbed in the tasks that I'm doing, it loses its fun because then it becomes a symptom of my mental illness that if I don't get this done, that I cannot move forward with anything else. And that's not fun. That puts me in a, a different state of mind. So he helps me with integrating breaks. So if I take a moment and just stretch, if I listen to a song that makes me laugh, or I watch like a short TikTok or, or YouTube short of something that brings me joy, or I play with my dogs, or I... I'm just giving a whole bunch of different examples, or I like start fidgeting with something or drawing, anything that is just something that brings me back into the present moment, that is an act of devotion that I offer up to him because from his perspective, he really wants me to just remember to have fun with things, remember to have fun with life, that you can get what you need done, but you don't have to be miserable doing it. With Hermes, one of my acts of devotion to him is kind of part and parcel with Leviathan as far as taking care of my body, because that is taking care of my ancestors. Ancestors play a role in my practice now that very much overlaps with Hermes. Hermes Psychopompus is my specific patron, so he helps me with communicating with those who have passed on or with those who require help with passing over and with communicating with my own personal ancestors and the ancestors of others as well. Okay, so I know I've said patron a few times, so you're wondering, holy shit, Alyssa, how many do you have? Well, I have five. Leviathan, Artemis, Apollon, Hermes, and Zeus. Zeus also gets very excited when I integrate anything to do with ancestors. That's something that he's taken a particular interest in helping me with. Anytime I meditate, I can offer that up to any one of my patrons because that is something that brings them delight and it makes me feel better. Journaling is another one that can apply to all of them. Dancing in the rain, I offer that to Zeus. Anything to do with weather, flying a kite, going on an airplane, not, not like that's something I do on the regular, but you catch my drift. Acts of devotion are just ways to integrate the mundane with the spirits that you honor, that you venerate. Uh, again, like I said before, I was giving examples like brushing your hair or washing your face, brushing your teeth. You can offer those to any spirit that you want. I don't see how they would be displeased with seeing you take time to take care of yourself. If I were to provide you with some other ideas on how to be kind of like low energy, low effort, there's very simple ways to do that. You can dedicate what you wear, like I said before, to an entity. Jewelry can be dedicated to an entity. Regular spiritual hygiene, cleansing, grounding, protection, things like that. You can offer that up to Akati, she's great, or Kirki, or Medea, any other entity that fits for you. 
Another thing that I think is really wonderful that you can offer up is research. Like spend the time that you spend researching something, the time you spend reading into something, that can be offered up to any deity that you want, even if it's topic specific. One of the things that was great as a student was being able to offer up the dedication to the commitments that I made to Artemis. Because one of the big things for me and her is if you say you're going to do something, do it. Follow through. Don't be a quitter. And so I'm not. I'm someone who very much, if I say I'm going to do it and we make a plan to do it, we're going to do it. It's going to happen. As a student, that was one of the things that I kept in mind was this is important to me. This is important to her. And I'm going to continue to push through, even though there were many challenges, difficulties, and hurdles along the way. What I will also add is if you're a student or you're someone who has to do a lot of research in your work, you can offer that up to a god or goddess of knowledge, a god or goddess of wisdom. Think Athena, um, Odin. There's so many different ones. And you can also offer that up to your ancestors because you're expanding your knowledge base. You're starting to understand things in a deeper level. I will also add another one, which would be just spending time in nature, just anything, be in nature, hug a tree, listen to the birds, watch the clouds, touch a plant that's after you've researched it because you don't want to be like rubbing poison ivy all over your face, right? Because something like I say that, but don't laugh because seriously, I will sometimes just grab a plant and rub it on my face. But as long as I know what it is, because sometimes plants are fuzzy and fuzzy feels good on my cheek. Another kind of offering is very, you know, low effort is just a glass of water, lighting a candle you already have. It doesn't need to be dressed. You don't need to search for a specific color. Just grab one from your cabinet or whatever and boom, light it. Off you go. Like anything that you do for cleaning the house. So when I'm cleaning my kitchen or vacuuming, doing the dishes, I offer that up to Hestia, who is the goddess, a Greek goddess of the home and hearth. I hope I've made my points clear that it doesn't have to be this big, elaborate, expensive, drawn out, ceremonial, Latin thing to be something that brings your deities or spirits happiness. Because ultimately, they want to see you thrive. And if being able to just handle your shit every day is good enough for you, then that's perfect. Because sometimes that's all you can do, honestly. But that segues into the next question that I think is actually really good. There's two questions that are intertwined that I'm going to get into. As I said, sometimes just doing what you can is good enough, but sometimes it's not. Because sometimes we don't put effort into doing better or being better because we're scared or we're lazy, stubborn. And in those scenarios, they know better. And so do you. That could end up being a point of conflict between, like, I'll use myself as an example, but between you and your deities or your ancestors or your guides or whatever. It could end up being a disagreement. I say conflict, but sometimes conflict is too harsh of a word. A disagreement would probably be my better choice of word. Sometimes we get the assumption that if they ask you to do something and you don't follow through, that immediately they're mad at you. But that is a very strange way of thinking about entities that aren't human because that is not necessarily the go-to emotion for 
an entity that doesn't exist as a human. <laughs> it may be for you as a human. If somebody lets you down, you get mad. But the, a lot of the the fear that comes from angering a spirit or angering a guide or a deity or an ancestor is typically carried over from Christianity or some other type of religion like that that is very fear-based. That is, if you don't do this, then God will be mad or you will be punish an afterlife in hell and be punished for eternity like that's not a realistic way to approach every god that might be that god but that's not every god and that's not every spirit and there are deities i've met that if i had to take a guess probably have never experienced anger because <laughs> there are some that are quite literally a god or goddess of peace or of harmony so how are you going to piss them off? Conflicts, uh, disagreements, words matter when you're trying to conceptualize a relationship with an entity. So be careful with the words that you use for your own relationships because they do have a way of framing a perspective that might not necessarily be true. I'm going to scratch the word conflict and I'm going to go with disagreement. I will give you an example later that you could classify as a conflict, but most would be a disagreement, which is just a very simple, you didn't do it? Nope. I really wanted you to. Okay. Then will you? Yes. Or no. And why? Is it your fault? Is it not your fault? Was it within your locus of control? Was it outside of your locus of control? Is this something where you can realistically look at yourself and say, I did not do that? And say, why? Because we're not here for excuses. We're not telling our teacher that our dog ate our homework. They know, like they are beings that have incredible knowledge and access to consciousness and understanding that far surpasses yours. We need to be humble. We need to be uh, very cognizant of where our ego takes place here. And a disagreement between myself and any of my deities is something that I take upon myself as the flawed human, as the human that grapples with ego, as the human that grapples with procrastination and grapples with anger, to admit to myself and to them that I have maybe failed at something or I didn't try at something, I didn't make enough of an effort, and I know it too. Like if they ask me to put my all into something and I put and I half-ass that shit. I know I half-assed it. They know I half-assed it. Like, who are, who are you trying to fool here? It really just comes down to self-reflection in those experiences. Sometimes they will say, well, you know what? It might not be the right time for us to do this specific thing or to carry out this specific uh, task or to go down that specific route. But there is never a situation where they're smiting my house or me. It's just a simple disagreement that is handled by communication. You'd be surprised how much you can get through in life by just communicating. So the next question is, are there times where you've said no to things about them they've wanted you to do or paths they've suggested you to take beyond setting up boundaries? And did saying no to something work out for the best or have you regretted it in the past? So I think this is a great question. Oh, by the way, all these questions are fantastic. This is where I would lead into my experience with conflict. In my experience, 
there is one demon in particular that I have shared about. His name is Glacia Labolas, and he is a demon, I would say, that directly confronts me about my bullshit. I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I made a decision. I haven't talked about this publicly before, just kind of in private with specific people, but I'll talk about it publicly because I'm ready to. And um, if you've also experienced this, you're not alone. And it leads into the conflict question. I made a decision a little while back that I no longer wanted to be referred to as a demonolater. I no longer wanted to tag my content as demonolatry. I wanted no part of the community. I didn't want to um, advertise or market myself as a demonolater, demonolatrist, anything demon. I wanted nothing to do with the community of other people who interact with demons. It wasn't the demons I had a problem with. It was the other humans in this space around demonolatry, demonology, um, and uh, connecting with, communicating with, and sharing experiences around demons. I had my own reasons for this that I felt were well thought through. I felt like I had, the, I was standing on a very firm foundation that made a lot of sense to me. I felt like this was the best thing for me to do. And so I started to remove myself. Totally was pulling back, but it, I, I wasn't pulling back for long before Glacia came flying in. So when Glacia approached me, his first opener was, we have to have a conversation about a decision that you've made because you're wrong. And if that doesn't come across as one of the most confrontational <laughs> sentences you've ever heard, I have never had a, a, a long conversation with him at this point. He showed up in my space. He was a few feet away from me. He His energy filled the room. He was not standing, looking, or behaving aggressively, but his choice of words felt aggressive. So I started to become defensive. And he made a very good argument with me. We did a back and forth. I would call it a debate. I would say I got emotional. He didn't. Where he essentially convinced me that my problems that I had with the demonolatry community in general was not a reflection of the demons. And so by removing myself from that community, I was removing myself from the possibility of other demonologists who align with me to find me, be able to still form bonds with people who shared the values that I share, care about the things that happen in that community that are unacceptable. That took about a good 20 minutes, I'd say, of this back and forth between me and Glacia, where most of the people in my real life, physical life, don't enter into arguments with me, mostly because if I decide I'm right, then I'm right. And there's not much you can say to me, <laughs> um, depending on the topic, of course. But in this case, I felt that I had put my due thought. I had felt that I had analyzed every perspective and that it was the right choice. And he successfully convinced me that I am, I was wrong. Yes, there are things within all communities that are garbage and shit and that you're always going to have problems with groups of people in general and you may not align with everybody in that group but that doesn't mean that you have to ostracize yourself from that entire group when there's still a lot of good that could come from it he convinced me that I was wrong but I wasn't ready to take that step yet so 
he continued to confront me about it every day until I made the switch and started integrating myself back into the communities in the ways that I had pulled away from. A lesson for me that not every deity is going to agree with my deities even. Like I ran this by all my patrons and they supported the decision. <laughs> That's the most wild part is, um, and then I found out that Leviathan had brought Glacia specifically into my space for this reason, which I thought was just fantastic. Just so, thank you so much for that, by the way. And Leviathan had agreed. He said, like, if that's what you feel and if that makes sense to you, then I, like, who am I to say that you can't do that? And then he was like, yeah, but you think you've got it figured out, but here's a demon that's going to call you on your shit. And I went back to all of my patrons and was like, so this is what happened and this is the discussion we had and this is the choice. And they were like, that's great. They supported it one way or the other. <laughs> So that was definitely a conflict. I was not exactly the most polite or nice. I always say be respectful to all, you know, the entities or whatever, but I felt like he was a little abrasive. And so I, I ended up getting kind of emotional. I wasn't super polite. I, yeah. So in hindsight, I wish I handled that a little more politely, but he didn't get offended. He knew what he was getting involved and he knew he knew he was pushing buttons like he knew he was digging deeper under the surface and that that wasn't necessarily going to turn up roses that would be my best example how i would handle disagreements or conflicts i like i said before would just be communication i would just be trying to understand where did the divergence occur was it in the understanding of a topic the execution of a topic or the result of a topic and how can we ameliorate the situation how can we find a common a common ground essentially how can we collaborate together to find an optimal solution for both parties because i'm never one of the things that i will say that is important to me in my entire spiritual practice is that even though i dedicate myself to these entities and even though I have entered into binding oaths and vows with them, I will never lose sight of what matters to me, like what is foundational and core to me. They're aware of what those boundaries are. They know not to cross certain things. So they know not to ask me that. However, if they are asking me something that I don't want to do, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with my core values or my core beliefs, and it's something entirely separate, then it's going to take some time of, for communication to find that middle ground I was talking about. Because if I say no to something just because I'm lazy or just because I, I want to be difficult or I'm in a pissy mood, they're, they're still going to call me on it. So one, one example I will give you is with ancestors, I do end up saying no to them more often than I ever would to any other spirit or, or entity that I interact with, period. Ancestors are uniquely entities that have had a human life, had a human experience, and sometimes still carry the values and experiences and lessons that they have had from their lives that may not align with mine. So I will say no to them because sometimes they're just wrong or sometimes they're asking me to do something that I just don't genuinely don't have interest in doing 
I'll give you an example. There, <laughs> there was one ancestor I had that was kind of, I mean, she, the best way I could describe it would be she was really trying to get me to be less, I would say aggressive maybe, like less confrontational sometimes. Sometimes I can say things in like not a super bubbly, pink, soft, fluffy cloud kind of way. And she really wanted me to, like I've been told so many times throughout my life that like even my emails come across cold. I think it's just like all the academic writing I've had to do in my life where like I just have a hard time with emojis. So I'm tr I'm trying my best. I genuinely am not on the other side being like, hope you're well. It's like I genuinely like if I write it, that's like that's what I mean. So <laughs> this ancestor was just kind of like sometimes you need to work on like your delivery of things. And I was like, OK, what would be an example? And the way that she gave me the delivery of like a difficult topic was so fucking infuriating. I was like, no, actually, you're coming across as beating around the bush and as if you're not confident in your emotions you're not confident in your stat in your position um, almost like you're so concerned with the feelings of the other person that you are removing the other person's accountability for dealing with their emotions sometimes guys how another person feels is not your responsibility sometimes it is but sometimes it's just not and this ancestor is was too soft for me. I was like, no, I'm not going to sit there spending 20 minutes saying something that I can say in one. Your problem with the delivery of my inquiry is not my responsibility, especially when it's not even about anything like huge or super emotionally sensitive. Like sometimes there's a time when you just need to be aware, read the room and like approach things a certain way. That's just social awareness understanding the time place in the audience but in this particular case this ancestor was just so squishy he was trying to change my personality to fit her personality because she felt that hers was the better way to go and for whatever reasoning she had behind it is valid to her but the answer is no I do feel like there would be certain scenarios where her approach would be great and super helpful. Now, have I said no to something um, before that has worked out for the best? Yes. There was for a while there a push from Zeus, Archangel Raphael, and Hermes to offer a service through my business that I wasn't ready to do yet. I'm really glad that I listened to my own intuition and kind of push back on that a little bit where I was like, I just like, I agree. It's something I'd love to do, but now is not the time. There's still some things I need to work out on the back end. Sometimes my deities push me to do things because they know that if they don't, I will not think about it anymore or I won't give it the due attention to work through whatever I need to work through in order to get to that point. I hope that makes sense. I feel like for them, sometimes they'll, they'll suggest you should do this now and you should do this today because you're capable. They know I'm capable and I know I'm capable, but I still have to work on myself to get to a point where I have the confidence. But again, it's so contextual and, and it's very nuanced, right? Sometimes, you, again, it comes down to like, are you procrastinating because it's fear or are you procrastinating for some other reason? Like it's, it's difficult to give kind of a blanket response to any of these situations, like any of these examples I'm giving you, because it's it's dependent on the person, it's dependent on what is being asked, why it's being asked, and who is doing the asking. 
Sometimes our deities or our ancestors will test us. Artemis, for example, tests me on the regular. It's something that she has always done. Sometimes she will test me in ways that are super obvious, and sometimes she'll test me in ways that I don't figure out until a few days later, and I'm like, ah, you got me there. My advice would be if you're in a situation where there is a, a spirit member, a spirit, like a member of your spirit team or an ancestor or a deity, whatever it might be, a guide, a guardian or an angel, infernal, doesn't matter who or what, that is asking you to do something that is fundamentally against your morals and ethics. Remember at the end of the day, it's your life, your choice. You have the power. You're the one in the driver's seat. They can't force you. They shouldn't force you. That's a whole different conversation. You have the power and autonomy to say no. And that I think is a very important lesson that a lot of us need to learn as life goes on because sometimes it's really hard to say no. They might put you in a situation to test to see, will they say no? How will they go about fixing the solution, uh, finding a solution or um, problem solving? Ultimately, I can only hope that every experience you have with the spirits in your life are positive and for your highest good and end up at a result that you feel good about, they feel good about, and only brings you closer. But the reality is, is sometimes that doesn't happen and that's okay because life is not a perfectly smooth, straight road that doesn't have twists, turns, divots, road bumps, or potholes that go down to Tartarus. Sometimes you have to struggle. Sometimes you have to fail. Sometimes you have to experience something that fucking sucks. And that is part of life and it is part of our spiritual journey. And that's just something that once you kind of get a, a, a handle on yourself, the rest kind of falls in line. It's all about knowing thyself, you know. At the end of the day, with all three of these questions, when it comes down to what can I do for them that's very low effort, how do I handle disagreements, conflicts, saying no, all of this revolves around you. All of these questions revolves around you, what you're comfortable with, what you can do, what you are willing to do, what you may be pushed to do, what you may choose to do. Your life, you're in the driver's seat. If you wake up one day and you're like, I have no spoons for this, or I'm sick, or I'm just fucking mad, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, someone pissed on my cereal, whatever it is that you go through, you have chronic pain. And the best that you can do is the best that you can do, then it is what it is. I say this all the time about deities, entities, and spirits in general, but they're aware of your limitations, physical, financial, emotional, mental. They're aware of them. The limitations that are forced upon us and then there's limitations we put upon ourselves. In deity work, you will be faced with scenarios where you have self-imposed limitations and you will get into them. You will dig into them because you should. One last thing I will say, I'm going to give you a little secret. Deity worship, ancestor veneration, prayer, all of that is talking. It all boils down to talking. That's how you connect. If you wake up and you're like, fuck today, then say, hey, guess what, guys? Today's sort of shitty, but this is what I kind of want to do today. This is kind of what I want to accomplish. I'm not feeling super good. Maybe y'all can help me out. That is the most low effort thing you can do. And it's also the best thing you can do. Just talk to them, connect with them. Don't make it too complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. The best things that I have ever done on days where I can't 
Like when I had COVID, oh guys, I had COVID. It sucked ass. COVID really sucks, man. I managed to avoid it all the way until December 2023 this month. And you can bet that I wasn't lighting candles and doing ritual and, and just being awake was painful. So I talked. I asked them for their help. I told them how I was suffering. I explained to them my anxieties of missing work and missing pay and not being able to accomplish the things I wanted to for my business for this month and for my friends and my family and myself and my team. And that's all I needed to do. Hopefully, everything I've talked about is, is helpful to you on your path. My goal, ultimately, guys, is to just chill y'all out. I just want everybody to kind of chill out. I think everybody gets real worked up and real nervous that they're failing all the time or they're not doing a good job or, or that there's always some massive chasm between you and the deity's love or entity's love. And that's just not the case. Take it easy. Do the best you can. Especially now in the holiday season, it's a very varied experience. Energies can be a little chaotic. People are freaking out, trying to get food going and presents and financial strain and interpersonal relationships and family trauma and oh it's just so much goes on around this time of the year so have grace for yourself and for other people low effort stuff you can do while you're in the presence of people who don't know about your beliefs or don't support your beliefs is prayer it's talking remember the talking thing i said just that simple do it in your head do it out loud whisper go to the bathroom say a little prayer can wear devotional clothing nobody's nobody needs to know nobody needs to know that your heart necklace is actually for lucifer morningstar in your christian family's house no one needs to know but you do and so does lucifer devotional clothes devotional jewelry are always my go-to but also i can devote a perfume or a cologne or a body wash or something that has a smell obviously y'all know i do spell oils and custom deity rollers so those are things that i wear and bring with me as well you got this i wish everybody a happy 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 holidays whatever you celebrate i hope you stay safe remind yourself to check in with yourself and take breaks when you need it enforce those boundaries that you have because your comfort and your happiness matters okay guys bye see you in 2024 for those interested in booking a session or learning more about Ariel or I, check out our websites in the description below or visit the about page on ghostteapodcast.com. And don't forget to rate and share Ghost Tea Podcast. This year has been amazing. 2023 has been fantastic. We're getting more viewers. We're getting more listeners, more ghosties. So you guys listening, sharing, liking, and, and rating us on Spotify, all of it helps so much. And if you would like to further support Ghost Tea Podcast, consider subscribing to our podcast. We do have subscriber-only episodes that get access to exclusive episodes such as Q&As, discussions on more taboo topics, and of course, more info about Ariel and I. And you can subscribe via the paid episodes play button. Happy holidays and happy new year.